Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to give you contacts to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, any time. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co and follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program. We're also going to share some exciting opportunities and offers, and please feel free to share, share this program with others. So today, I have a, a, a really exciting guest, and I'm going to introduce him and then, and then why we're having the conversation. Professionally, Hillel Fold is known as one of Israel's top marketers. He works with leading tech entrepreneurs, investors, and visionaries to, as he says, accompany them on their journey from taking an idea to implementation and from imp implementation to revenue. Hillel is a respected author, writer, and speaker whose work is published in some of the world's top tech publications, and he speaks in many global forums, specifically bringing Israel's exciting tech tech scene to life. He collaborates and consults with inspiring Israeli startups and leading global brands, including Google, Oracle, Microsoft, Nike, and many more. Complementing his authoritative tech presence and knowledge, Hillel is a widely impactful fluence influencer on social media, but with a paradox, where social media and technology generally try to force simplistic thinking and communication in 144 characters or less, Hillel bucks the trend and often posts long, thoughtful, and introspective stories and thoughts. He shows a genuine admiration and respect for people around him who are leaders in their own right and who complement his life, and he regularly features them on his posts just because he likes to cast a spotlight on others for doing the good work that they do. As much as that is rare, it's even more rare that you see people not only being thoughtful and not rhetorical, but being apologetic on social media as well. And if it's only been once, but I think it's more, I've seen him take down posts that were not meant to be hurtful, but were misconstrued. And rather than leaving something up for possible misinterpretation or continued hurt, he actually says sorry and deletes the post. And I admire that. We've never met in person, but to me, it shows a huge amount about his character. Hillel and his family made Aliyah from New York to Jerusalem, and we're going to talk about that. He's married and the father of five beautiful kids. Hillel would be an interesting guest for any number of conversations that we could have on Inspiration from Zion, and maybe this will be just the first. But I asked him to join us today, this week especially, as we prepare to observe Memorial Day, followed by Independence Day, a unique back-to-back -back experience that's only experienced in Israel. And while Hillel embodies in many ways the Israeli dream and lives life to the fullest, appreciating all the miracles uh, the, uh, of living in the land, working here, and raising a family here. Unfortunately, making Hillel uniquely qu uh, qualified for this conversation is that his brother Ari, who was a neighbor of mine, was murdered in a terror attack in September 2018. 
So as we begin to remember those killed in war and acts of terror this week and celebrate Israel's 75th anniversary of independence, it's really exciting to have Hillel Fold as our guest. Hillel, Hillel, welcome to Inspiration from Zion. Holy moly. With that kind of an introduction, yeah, I mean, I need to pay you for PR. Come on. <laughs> that I take as a big compliment. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for that introduction. That that was, uh, wow. Well, it's sincere, and, and I'm glad we're having this conversation. Uh, let's start at the beginning, Hillel. You you and your family came here when, to Israel when you were a teen. You moved, you moved from New York. Um, what, what was the thing that motivated that? Obviously, you didn't make the choice. Uh, your parents did. But t- talk, right. talk about that a little bit. So my parents uh, were, or are, I should say, uh, hardcore Zionists. I know that that's become a dirty word today, but they, but you know, the love of Israel is in our veins, it's in our DNA. And my father was a uh, a principal of a prestigious um, elementary school in Riverdale called SAR, which I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with. And um, when I was in sixth grade, he was given a sabbatical year to come to Israel for the year. And so my family came to Israel when I was in sixth grade and I, you know, I learned the language and I was here for a year and then we went back and the contract said that he has to be principal for three years after that sabbatical. Oh. Three years on the day we were on a plane to Israel. Wow. Um, and, you know, I already had the language because I was here in sixth grade. When you're a kid, you pick up languages quickly uh, and I never really lost it. So I came here knowing Hebrew, but there was still the cultural, you know, element and the cultural shock, I should say. So coming here at 15 from New York to, you know, Yushalayim, is not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, I, I, I skip to the end and tell you the punchline is the best thing that ever happened to me, but it, it took a while for me to recognize that. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say, coming here as a teenager, we our, our oldest when we came was 11, and that was challenging enough, but already 15. I mean, yeah. my goodness, all the hormones are in and everything's, yeah. I mean, everything's going on and you, you've, you've already established your life there and you're not a, you're not an immature uh, elementary school student, you're, you're, you've got a life. What, what, what were the biggest challenges that you faced? I mean, I, I started high school in New York. I went to MTA to YU high school in ninth grade. And then I came here in 10th grade. So it was like, you know, if it had been one year earlier, maybe cause it's a new beginning anyway, uh, but yeah. here I started there. And so it was definitely challenging. I mean, you know, you know, the, there were, the list is very, very long, <laughs> extensive, but I mean, I think, I think the cultural thing, I've been here for 30 years. I don't think I'm used to it even now. I mean, every single time, someone cuts me off on the road. I say to them, <laughs> I, I, like, explain to me. I say, I'm not, listen, I'm not yelling at you. I'm not cursing. I'm just asking you. We're now at the same red light. Why would you behave that way? Like, what did you gain? And so, you know, when people are honking on, I, I don't think I'm, I'm still, I don't think I'm used to it. But, uh, you know, I think I don't mean to sound like I'm, God forbid, bashing Israelis because I think it has a lot of pluses and minuses the way Israelis are. I mean, you know, it's obviously... To me, at least, uh, I, I take that, the family, where we could say it as it is over the politically correct, you know, I'm not really saying to you what I really feel. Um, right. But, but that, you know, it is a challenge. It, it was a challenge. It is a challenge. It will remain a challenge. It's, it's a different uh, different culture. There's no question about it. Well, so I'm glad you said that because we are blessed to live here and raise our children here. And all of your kids were born here. But I imported five of my six. And, uh, and one of the greatest compliments we've received from our kids at least those who made Aliyah with us, is thanking us. Thank because they see what their life might have been like if we had stayed in America. Not that would have been bad, but that they really appreciate so much more what we have here. So that's a, that's a uh, I mean, um, I, I, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad what's going on over there. It's pretty bad. I mean, you know, when you and I were growing up, I mean, I don't know if we're the same age, but when you and I were growing up, um, you know, the thought of 
America turning against Israel and, and turning it, you know, into anti-Semitism becoming mainstream. Yeah. I couldn't even fathom such a reality. And today right. it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. You're right. And, and, and again, I'm going to put words in your mouth. I assume that you're no less a proud American than I. And it's very sad to see the country in which we were born and grew up changing like that and, yeah. and, and wondering if it can ever come back from the abyss. Right. I mean, I, I say, I, I ask my friends a very simple question. No one should make Aliyah because of anti-Semitism. That's not the reason to make Aliyah, and that should never be a reason. Having said that, I ask my friends this very simple, simple question. I say, listen, what has to happen? Is there is there a single event that if that event happens, you are on a plane? And the reason I'm asking that is because when I was growing up and I heard about the Nuremberg Laws, I couldn't understand why Jews didn't get out. Like, What were you waiting for? And so I didn't know. I never knew the answer to that question until recently when you know, leading pop artists are declaring their love for Hitler. NBA players are, are full-blown anti-Semites. You know, Congress, you know, is gone. So what are they waiting for? And I, so I say to my friends, what has to happen? Is, is there an event? And the answer is probably not. No matter what happens, they're not getting out of there because they're comfortable. Just like the Jews in Germany were comfortable. Yes. Just like the Jews in Egypt were comfortable. I mean, we, we just celebrated Passover. People don't realize this. This is a fascinating thing. You know, we know that the, the Torah says that the words that the Torah uses about they came, it says the, the Israelites left Egypt in the word Hamushim. And there's all kinds of interpretations, but the main commentary on the Torah, as you know, says that only one fifth of the Jews left Egypt. Right. That means that 80% of the nation didn't leave Egypt. And, you know, we think of the exile from Egypt and the splitting of the sea and the 10 plagues as the most miraculous. Unbel- this was about the lowest point of the Jewish people ever. 80% of our, of our nation was wiped out. They either died or they stayed in, in Egypt. And so it's, it's unfortunately in our, it's in our nature to not understand that this is not our home. America is not our home. Egypt's not our, it's not our home. Israel is our home. And it's very sad to see history repeat itself over and over and over again. And it's like, it's unbelievable to me. It really is. Well, well said. And that's indeed, I can add that to my list of other conversations that maybe we'll have, God willing. Um, let, let's talk about more about this week that's coming up. Um, you know, I want to talk about you and look forward and especially you, because I, I, I do look at you. You talk about working with visionaries, but I think you are yourself. But before we move forward, I want to talk about um, Ari and his murder. Um, one of the things that always, I mean, I get emotional just even thinking about it now. And we haven't started seeing all of the TV shows that are coming up and all of the radio broadcasts about people who who lost their life due to uh, die, death in, in, in combat or or acts of terror like Ari. And I, I derive unbelievable inspiration from those amid the grief. And I don't sit in your shoes, um, not any of the pairs of shoes that you have. Um, but if, and if you follow him on social media, you'll know why I said that. Um, but Ari, in many ways, was in his life larger than life and still is. So I'd like for you to tell people about your brother. Sure. So, I mean, let's start with the fact that Lahavdil, we shouldn't, you know, uh, compare the two, but his family, uh, Miriam, his wife and his unbelievable kids, they are, they are true heroes in the, in the, in the purest sense of the word. I mean, these people, they're, they're, un, they're unbelievable. The, the resilience and just the strength that they, possesses is beyond me that's that's first of all uh and second of all ari 
you know, Ari and I grew up in the same house with, with five brothers and the oldest, Moshe and Donnie, were already out of the house when I was a teenager because they were already married, they're much older. And so it was me, Ari, and my younger brother. My younger brother, Eitan, lives, lives in Tkoa now and he's in the, he's in the Knesset. And, uh, so Ari and I grew up together and Ari was a, um, Ari was a warrior in every sense of the word. I mean, he was a fourth degree black belt. He came to Israel by himself before his family, volunteered for the army, climbed up the ranks of the army, continued to climb up the ranks of the army, continued to volunteer. When he got a exemption from the army after he finished his service, he whipped up the exemption and continued to volunteer. <laughs> I didn't then know he, that. Then he did reserve duty. And again, continued. It, I mean, he conquered this land in, in, in the real, you know, biblical sense of the word. And, um, you know, he, he had many legacies, right? He left yes. many, many legacies in this world. But if I had to choose one, mm. um, and it's one that should be in a normal world should be so trivial. And it's not, it's just not. And that one legacy is truth, truth, mm. just black and white, objective truth. Now, you, you know, your listeners might be listening saying truth. Well, we know what's truth. We know, you know, uh, you know what's what's left what's right what's black what's we, we know right well the answer is no we don't know the world has lost in fact i don't even think truth is any is a virtue anymore i don't even think it's something that we strive to in western society anymore you know and i don't want to get into the politics of it but you know i don't need to get to go too far to say that a boy is a girl a girl is a boy a terrorist is a freedom fighter a freedom fighter yeah. is, a, is a criminal it's we've lost you know any there's no more truth and ari could not stand that he could not stand the the false narratives that everyone in the world accepted, even though you can open a history book and in two seconds, you can see that those narratives are false. And, yeah. you know, the obvious one amongst many, you know, are the, the, the Israel-Palestinian conflict. I don't even want to use the word Palestinian, Israel-Arab conflict, right? I mean, let's say it as it is, okay? There's a conflict. So every time it's a terrorist attack, what do these anti, quote-unquote, anti-Zionist, aka anti-Semites say? Oh, it's the occupation. Well, let's be logical human beings. If the occupation caused the terror, then presumably, if you remove the occupation, aka before the occupation, there should not have been terror. Correct. Well, let's talk about it. 1929, the massacre of Jews in Hebron. There was no state. What, what occupation? There was no state yet. Correct. So occupation is clearly not the cause of the terror. Okay, well, but we occupied an Arab-Palestinian you know, land. How, well, okay, if there was an Arab-Palestinian state, great. Just tell me when it was established, please. What was yeah. the national anthem and who was the prime minister and what was the currency? Because yeah. if you can tell me that, then we can have this discussion. But you can't tell me that because it never existed, right? And so, you know, everyone can keep talking about a Palestinian state, an Arab-Palestinian state, an Arab-Palestinian nation. It's all lies. And so when the UN and even, you know, the State Department accepts this narrative, Ari could not accept it. Yeah. He, he would just He would just stand on every possible, you know, rooftop and say, stop lying. You're lying. You're lying through your teeth. Stop it. We can discuss a, a resolution for the conflict. We can talk about it. But don't tell me that there are two sides that are equal. There's no equal sign to a terrorist who is targeting innocent people and go, walking up to a car and at point blank murdering two sisters to a, an IDF, that's an Israel Defense Forces, that every single innocent life that's lost is a horrible tragedy from our perspective that we apologize for. That is a, a mistake. Yeah. And anybody who makes that equal sign is just morally corrupt and has no moral compass. And so the rest of us, unfortunately, are too, I, sh I shouldn't say the rest of us. I and many of my friends, uh, you know, we hear these things and it, and it bothers us. But what do we really do about it? Not much. Ari did. So that that was Ari. He was a man of truth. He was a man of heroism. He lived a hero. He died a hero. Yeah. Uh, you know, those that might not know, he was shopping for his family before Yom Kippur and a 16-year-old 
Arab kid came and stabbed him in the main artery. And Ari was basically uh, declared dead on the spot, but he somehow managed to run after the terrorist, jump over a wall, shoot the terrorist, and he saved a woman in his last breath who the terrorist was now going to kill, and then he collapsed and died. And so that woman has since become a part of the family. But really, Ari lived a hero, died a hero, and he became a national hero officially of the state of Israel, which I often think, what would my grandmother in Auschwitz have said had I told her that her grandson is a national hero of the state of Israel, and her other grandson is in the Knesset? It's like she wouldn't even know how to digest that information. She so, wouldn't even, she couldn't even comprehend it. It's it's wild. It's totally wild. Everything you said about Ari is true. I, I admittedly, I didn't know him super well, but you couldn't not be in his presence and not be um, in awe and, and, and respect. And when you're talking about truth, he also did so. It's not just that he, he fought for the truth, but he didn't use rhetoric. He was just a straight, solid, legit argument. And, and it was not a bunch of nonsense. And also the same thing when you talk about living a hero and dying a hero. When I take people to the outside the grocery store, he was stabbed and we go and get a falafel around the corner where he where he fell. Um, and, and just people realize the, the, the superhuman ability, the, the, the immediate response, whether he knew he was hurt or badly hurt or not. The fact that he did what he did is superhuman. And it, it is every definition of the word heroic. I mean, I think. I think most people would agree that if someone stabs you, your first reaction is to figure out how to survive. Yeah. He didn't even think about that. He immediately sprung into action and, and yeah. saved, saved, saved someone's life. So, you know, it, it is wild. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, the story of Ari's name. Did you ever hear about this? No, I don't think so. Tell us. So this is this is a pretty remarkable story because, you know, I'm a pretty down-to-earth, kind of head-on-my-shoulders kind of Jew. I don't necessarily believe in all the superstitious stuff. I, it's, not, I, it's not that I don't believe it. I don't understand it. Okay. I'm, I'm a pretty, you know, Rambam Jew, I, Maimonides Jew. I right? just say it as it is. But sometimes there are things that are undeniable. And I got to tell you this story because it is just, it's wild. So my parents named him Ari. To be clear, there are people whose names are Arie, which means lion. And people call them Ari as a shortening of their right. name, but their name their name is actually Arie. Ari's name was Ari. That was his name. And when they, my parents named him Ari, it was a very uncommon name. And so people asked my parents, like, where'd you get that name from? And they said, oh, we, we liked the name. They didn't think much of it. But Ari grew up and he had many characteristics that were, were pretty, I don't know if extraordinary, I guess, for lack of a better term, that, that were really unique. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So first of all, I would wake up. First of all, he came by himself. Like I mentioned before, he came by himself. He conquered this land. Like I mentioned, he was a, a hard, hardcore hero. I mean, he really wore, warrior. He, he fought for this land like no one else. That's first of all. Second of all, I would wake up sometimes at four o'clock in the morning and I'd see Ari on Facebook or on Twitter arguing with some anti-Semite. And I'd say to him, Ari, what are you doing? Go to sleep. And he didn't even like, it didn't even, he's like, what do you mean go to sleep? I gotta, I gotta fight this fight. So the guy did not sleep. I, I, I don't mean that as an exaggeration. I don't know when Ari slept. He was on all day, every day. It was unbelievable to watch. That's the second thing. Uh, the third thing is that he had certain, let's call it commandments that obviously he was a religious observant Jew. So he tried to keep all the commandments, but there were certain things that he was very, very passionate about. First of all, the, the midst of the commandment of tzitzit, of wearing, uh, you know, string, fringe, strings on your, on your garment. 
uh, palace, wearing a garment you know, over your head when you pray. He was very passionate about that specific commandment. Why? I'm not sure why, but he had a very strong passion for that. In general, davening, prayer, he was very passionate about prayer. Most people, when they pray, they shuckle. He, um, he, stood, he put himself into like Tai Chi, and he stood there like a brick wall. It was unbelievable to watch. But specifically the prayer of Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel, right? He was very passionate about that. Why? I don't know why. But that that those things that I just mentioned very much characterize Ari. So again, he was a warrior, conquered the land, right? He didn't sleep. He prayed very intensely. He had deep passion for the, the mitzvah of Shema, the, the prayer of Shema, and he was very passionate about the, the mitzvah, the, the commandment of the fringes. Okay. That, those things characterize Ari. After the murder, my parents opened up the Bible, the Tanakh. And they said, where do we get this name from? Where does Ari, the word Ari, appear in the Tanakh? And the answer is, and sit down for this because this is going to blow your mind, twice in the whole Torah does the word Ari appear. And I'm going to read to you the verses as well as the commentary on those verses. And again, sit down and prepare for serious goosebumps, okay? Mm-hmm. The first one, it says, Karash Achav Ari. They crouch, they lie down like a lion, like an Ari, Ari, like the king of beasts. Okay, this is what the passage says. Those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. That is the verse in the Torah. That is the first time the word Ari appears. Okay, I'm going to read to you right now what Rashi, who's the main commentary on the Torah, how he defines the word Ari. And I'm reading to you word on word. If you don't believe me, you can go check it out. This is what Rashi says. You ready? They will settle their land with strength and might. That is what a lion does. They settle their land. What? I mean, if I asked you to define a lion, you wouldn't say that. What kind of definition is that? That That is what Rashi says. But wait, it gets a lot better. The second time the word Ari appears in the entire Torah, I'm reading you the words. Lo, a people that rises like a lion, the Ha'arid Nasa, leaps up like the king of beasts. Okay, and here it goes. Lo yishkava diochal teres. He won't sleep until he consumes his prey. Wow. A lion doesn't sleep. And here is the big the big kicker. This is what Rashi says on this pasuk. Uh, it's unbelievable. I'm reading for word for word. When they wake up in the morning, they overcome like a lion to grab the, to- the commandments of the Torah. Now, Rashi could have named any of the 613 commandments. He named three. To wear strings whoa, on your garment. Whoa, whoa. To read oh the Shema and to wear tefillin to pray. This is, I'm, I'm reading it for word, word for word. If you don't believe me, go look it up. This is the two times in the entire Torah that the word Ari appears. My parents could not believe their eyes. Could not believe their eyes. So Ari, you know, was destined to do what he did. Uh, obviously it's a tragedy and we miss him, you know, dearly, but it's clear that he had a mission on this earth that he accomplished. It's clear beyond any shadow of a doubt. Well said. You give me, you gave me the goosebumps you said I would have and tears in my eyes. Um, wow. Uh, you know what? I need to take a break. Let, let's, <laughs> let's take a break for a minute. And we'll come right back. I, I have to re- re- recompose myself. Hold on a sec. We're going to come right back. Do you have children or know somebody who does? If the answer is yes, you need to hear this. This year, in celebration of Israel's 75th anniversary, the Genesis 123 Foundation has launched an incredible art contest for your children and Christian children all around the world. The contest, What Israel Means to Me, gives your children the opportunity to show why Israel is special to them 
through art. They can draw, paint, color, or illustrate this in any way they want. The contest will be judged according to different age groups with real prizes awarded to the winners. Please visit whatisraelmeanstome.com for details, contest rules, and how to register your child. Deadline for submission of all entries is in April, and the announcement of winners will be at a live event on May 14th. Please don't delay in registering your child, and please share this with others who will also want their children to participate. Visit whatisraelmeanstome.com and join us today. Okay, hello. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad I asked you to share about Ari. Uh, I don't know that anyone could have done it better than what you just did. And I'm grateful. And we need to, we need to, for those who, who, uh, didn't know Ari, maybe we'll, we'll provide some, uh, you can help me get some, uh, links to put in the, in the episode notes where people can see him on video and, and, and maybe we'll put in some other things. And anyone who wants to know more, please be in touch with me. Um, before we move on to what we're celebrating, what when he died, when he was murdered, what gave or or, or since then, what's given you the most comfort? I mean, you know, I mean, this legacy that I speak of, the stories are endless. I mean, you know, it's been four years and the stories are still flowing. You know, people that are in Israel or people that are observant Jews because of Ari. And I say to them. Wow, you're an observant Jew because of Ari. That's unbelievable. How close were you? And they say, I never met him. I'm like, well, you guys must have spoken a lot. Never spoke to him. What do you mean? How? What? He influenced millions of people through his work online, many of whom never met him, but he he had that impact. So to meet and to, to hear these stories, I, I was in, this is a true story. I was in the Kinneret just now on Passover with my family up north and a random guy who I don't know from a hole in the wall just came over to me on the beach and he said, my name is so-and-so. He's holding his baby and he says, Meet my son, Ari. I need him after your brother. Wow. I said, what do you mean you made? What, who are you and how did you know my brother? I didn't know your brother. He inspired me. I named my son after him. Like, unbelievable. So those, those stories are just, you know, un- unbelievably inspiring. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, I've heard of a, a lot of people naming their child Ari, and that's not a coincidence. But I hope that they hear the, hear about Ari's name and those two instances that he's uh, that his name is in the, in the Torah. Um, that's important. And to raise their children like that. Uh, obviously, your parents did. Um, we do something this week that no country in the world does, I think. Uh, Memorial Day immediately followed by Independence Day. Your view on that, I mean, I, I really want to know what your view is, but it had to change somewhat from this time in 2018 to this time in 2019. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that nothing illustrates or personifies the nature of the Jewish people in our history better than that transition. Those few minutes where we transitioned from Memorial Day to all of our, you know, brothers and sisters who we lost over the years to celebrating the miracle of the modern day state of Israel. I think that that really is something that we sing about from, you know, from slavery to redemption. What is the whole holiday of Passover? It's that transition, right? And so I think that, again, those few minutes where we go from, sadness and from tears and from crying and, and mourning and remembering to celebrating and and singing and dancing in a split second is something that I think really tells the story of the Jewish people and, and tells the story of Ari, you know, and so it's always been very meaningful for me. And I think uh, I think it has become more meaningful since we lost Ari, uh, because I, I think, again, I think that 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 split second 
tells the entire story of Ari's life. Is it hard, though? I mean, obviously, on Memorial Day, you're enveloped in all of the national mourning that goes on. I imagine you go to the cemetery and and, and other family things, and it's got to be very personal and intimate. But are you anticipating in a couple of more hours you're doing a big barbecue for Independence Day? Or on Independence Day, are you sitting still weeping a little bit inside that you're still so, missing Ari? How does that Again, work? like Ari... Ari was Mr. Barbecue. Ari was Mr. You know, really. I mean, he, so I, I, I think that I, Ari, Ari lives through that that transition. So no, I don't, I don't view them as two separate entities. I view it as a as a, a natural flow, a natural flow. And so, yeah, of course it's hard. I mean, on Memorial Day and at the cemetery, and you know, I, I got to be honest. If I'm being very vulnerable with you, I, you know, obviously many, many, many organizations and many people ask me over the years to come speak to their students or whatever since Ari, and I, 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 I've yet to reach the point where I'm that ready emotionally to, 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 to address on Memorial Day. So I, I'm not there yet by any means. It's definitely hard. Um, but I don't, I don't view that transition as this like 180 degree thing. I view it as a natural flow event that personifies everything that we are. It's That's beautiful said, beautifully said. I think it's still hard for people outside of Israel to begin to grasp it. So I'm glad that you explained that as it's all part of one, right? right. Uh, and so I, I'm grateful for that. Um, yeah, yeah, I know you know about it this week. Um, we had, well, last week, a terrible, uh, another horrible incident, terror attack, where neighbors of mine, neighbors of Ari's, they prayed at the same synagogue together, two daughters, a 20, 15 and a 20-year-old, and then, and then two days later, their mother died. Um, how do you respond? Like we, we, we've had recent months in the, in the last year, no shortage of terror. What does that, yeah. what does this do to you now? I, I, I don't, I, I mean, I, I, listen, as a marketing professional, I, yeah. I, I find, I try to get into the mindset of my audience, right? When I sell something, when I market something, I try to think of the needs of my audience, right? I, and this is just the way I behave and the way I conduct myself. And I try very hard. I really do. I want to understand what has to happen to a human being for them to have the ability to walk up to a car and execute two innocent, beautiful young women. And I can't understand it. I'll never understand it. No. And, you know, we know it on a mental level that, you know, it's it's indoctrination, it's education from age zero, and it's you know, fundamentalism, I know that, but, but I, I can't help trying to understand on an emotional level that you couldn't do anything to me. There's nothing that you can do to me that would, that would, that would make me go and do something like that, right? To blow myself up. I, I, I could not even fathom such a reality. And so it's hard for me to, to understand this reality. And so the only thing that I can do is look up and say, someone else is running the show because this is not human behavior. This is just not human behavior. Um, and so when I hear these stories, if I'm being, you know, again, super vulnerable, it's, it's triggers me every time, every single time it triggers me. Um, you know, and that manifests in many ways. But for example, I generally speaking in the past have been relatively apolitical on my social media channels because I'm a tech guy. People follow me for tech. But at, as of late, it's hard for me. It's very hard for me to separate, uh, you know, the Hillel tech guy and the Hillel who's an observant Jew and who's home in the land of Israel and, and, and whose people are being, you know, murder daily. And so, you know, I do, I do go there. Um, but it's, it's a reality that it really is undigestible to someone who's not here. Um, but 
you know, my father likes to say something that I think is incredibly powerful, especially that it comes from my father. And that is that, of course, every life that's lost to terror and to wars is a tragedy. It's an entire world, of course. And that should never be belittled. But you have to take a wider perspective and look at the, you know, the grand scheme of things. And, and the reality is that there has never been a 75-year period in the history of the Jewish people. Listen to this. This is unbelievable. There has never been a 75-year period in the history of the Jewish people in which so few Jews have been killed. Wow. That's you think about impressive it, there, for your father to think exactly. of and then articulate. The Inquisition, the pogroms, the Holocaust. There was always something. And so, again, every life that's lost is a horrible tragedy. But in the grand scheme of things, this country is defending us. And so when we say never again, never again, not because America will let it happen again. You can be sure they will. Never again because we have Israel. And so... You know, the reality, the reality is that, you know, we are living in absolutely biblical historic times. And I wake up every day and thank God that I have the opportunity to live in this miraculous country. Well, I want to come to that because that's evident. The, the, your gratitude on everything and your, 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 your zest for life. But I want to, co- I want to come to that. But it's interesting that you just mentioned what you did. I didn't see the numbers yet every year. I pray that between now and when actual Memorial Day starts, uh, this week, we're not going to have any more, but, but it's always been growing every year and, and they're about, and I, and I, I'm sorry to even say that I don't know the precise number because I feel like I'm missing somebody, but somewhere in the range of 24,000 people in the course of not just 75 years of statehood, but going back, I don't remember how far back we go. So when you, when you, you you relate what your father correctly says that we haven't had this few Jews killed. We're talking about every twenty four thousand is 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 hundreds of thousands of lives touched. All of the mothers and fathers and children and spouses and and, and siblings and niece, everything. Um, but we're, but but I want to put that into perspective. So now so now we move from the grief, which you which you unfortunately know more than most of us, and we're celebrating the wonder. It's seventy five. It's a significant number. It's more than seventy. Four, it's less than 76. It's not 100 yet. Um, I'll look forward to doing this again with you in 25 years, perhaps. Um, what do you credit Israel to, to the success that we've had all these 75 years? I mean, I could give all the logical explanations in the world, just like there are logical explanations how God split the sea. But if you do not see God in the state of Israel, you are deliberately not seeing God because you, you have to be blind. I mean, I heard a story of a, a guy in um, West Point. Is that what it's called? The American, yeah, the uh, U.S. The middle, military, yeah. right? And uh, he was a soldier that he was in a class about military strategy, and the teacher was teaching him military strategy. And then th- this soldier raised his hand and said, "Okay, but according to that, how did Israel win the Six Day War?" And the professor, or whatever you want to call him, the teacher said, "Get out of here! Get out of my class!" He leaves the class and he comes over and after. He goes, "Why? Why'd you kick me out of class?" He says. Because I know you were trying to embarrass me. I know Israel could not have won that war by any military strategy. It makes no sense whatsoever. And so if you if you see the reality of a country smaller than New Jersey and the worst neighborhood on earth, beating <laughs> all sectors of technology, dominating the world of innovation, building world-changing, life-changing cancer research and, and mental health and just endless things, you, and you're, you don't see God in that, then then, then you're, you're deliberately not seeing God in that or you're blind. But you know, it's all miracles. And, you know, that having said that, I can't explain to you uh, on a rational level 
how the Israeli government promotes entrepreneurship and has the Israeli Innovation Authority that basically gives grants to startups, how the military encourages entrepreneurship with the 8200 and, and all of the intelligence units, how Israeli culture of not letting anyone into your lane, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Is, is, I think, really does help when you're building innovation because when you tell an entrepreneur anywhere else in the world that what they want to do is impossible, they say, <laughs> okay, it's impossible. I'm going to go build something else. You tell an Israeli something's impossible. You know what they say? Hold my beer, right? <laughs> and, and then they go do it. So I think there's a lot of different components here that contribute to Israel's leading um position in the in the in the world of entrepreneurship and, and innovation um but it's beyond that i think you know it's whether it's you know the the, the measurement and the article that came out recently about the happiest countries in the world yeah this, yeah i mean it's it's a it's one big miracle this country is just one and I, when i say miracle i want to be very clear i don't i don't call it a miracle like you know waking up in the morning right waking up in the morning is a miracle but that's a miracle that's natural I don't think this is natural. I think this is supernatural. From my perspective, the state of Israel is no less a miracle than the splitting of the sea. And I mean that, literally. And, you know, I, I really do think that while we say that God doesn't do open miracles today, I don't agree. I've experienced quite a few of them myself, one of them being the state of Israel. But, you know, I, I, I just recently, I don't know if you saw this post. I was, like I said, I was up north and I got a, a call from someone that a kid, a Jewish kid in Panama was was having seizures and I tweeted and I found someone in Dubai who found someone in Panama. I found someone who flew in. This all went down on Twitter and this kid's life was saved all because of a 25 different events that happened that if one of them wouldn't have happened, this kid's life would not have been saved. And to top it all off, this just happened. This is just, you, you want to talk about open miracles. This kid, 13 years old was flown out from Panama to Long Island Jewish center, the, the hospital. And he's now being treated in the, uh, you know, cardiology department. And two weeks ago, a woman reaches out to me and says, I want you to meet my father. Who's your father? He's a doctor and he wants to come to Israel. He wants to, and I met with him today, an hour ago. Who is he? He's a pediatric cardiologist in Long Island Jewish Center. What? I was like, hold on one second. You mean that hospital? You're a pediatric cardiologist. You're treating heart patients that are kids in that hospital. That is where this kid is. Yeah. What are, what are the chances that I'm going to, so to me, I don't think it gets more open miracles than that, you know? So I, I live my life seeing God in everything. And I think that that's the right way to look at, to look at things. Excellent point. Um, you know, it's interesting when you talked about that post, I did see it. And I would say with an average person, I would have opened that up and looked and said, oh my God, that's long. And I probably would have just kept scrolling. But because, and it was this, this part of the sincereness, sincerity if you uh, of my introduction of you, it was it when you write something it's powerful you're connecting these things and now that you've ascribed and i don't remember if you used the word miracle or miraculous specifically in that post but when you talk about it now it's that unique thing you're you you blow away any 144 character rule and and if it's 144 words 140 characters by the way 140 okay excuse me thank you i'm not the tech guy you are that's why i take my my hat off uh 140 yeah so i just think that it's fascinating and and that was again one of your amazing posts to read and connect and see the miracles that we have the privilege of seeing i want to take another quick break and come and come back and speak about some of some of the other miracles I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. 
This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill. They are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Okay, so Ari, next week we're going to be celebrating Hello. Israel's. Sorry, Hillel. Uh, we're going to be ce- celebrating Israel's 75th. What this year? What do you think Israel this year? It's been a tough year that we have the most to celebrate. Listen, you know, again, it's all about perspective. It's it's you know the reform and and this you know the the, the terror in the nation and there's you know left and there's right and there's the horrible poisonous rhetoric being thrown around and and, and not belittling that that should not be belittled. But you know what? What do both sides of this debate have in common? There's one thing they have in common. What are they using to demonstrate? What is their symbol of their demonstration? Uh, excellent. The Israeli flag. That's right. They're both holding the Israeli flag. So let's put things in perspective. Both sides want what's best for this country. Some might say this is best for this country. Some might say this is best. That's fine. And we can d- discuss it because we're a democracy. But let's put things in perspective. Nobody here is trying to murder Jews. We're trying to build the best country we can build. So to me, again, given with all the difficulty, I'm not belittling it. Let's put things in perspective. We've never had it this good. There's never been, you know, more Torah learning in the world. There's never been a stronger army for the Jewish people in the world. Things are good. Let's let's just let's just put things in perspective. Things have never been this good. Okay. So I want to follow up on that. Something I wasn't planning on asking, but we're talking about terror. We're talking about challenges. I've been getting a lot of emails inquiries from people who are afraid to come. Uh, I, I was a little surprised to see some people uh, indicate that they're afraid to come because of the protests that have been going on, which was shocking to me because they've been peaceful. No one's burning the flag. Everyone's embracing themselves in the flag. What do you say to someone like that? Nicely. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's a hard one. I mean, it's a hard one because I feel like fear is not a logical thing, Right. I mean, I can answer this person logically, but if they're, if they have fear, will that even address the issue? You know, and, and this is a broader question. What do you say to people that are afraid to come to Israel because of the terror, right? All the years, people, oh, I don't want to come to Israel. And then the people that come here are like, I don't know what everyone was talking about. This is like a, this is like nirvana here. It's like heaven, right? That's right. Um, so, you know, a person that's afraid to come here, I can only talk to their reason and their logic and say, what exactly about the, the protests are you fearing? I mean, this isn't what's going on in Paris right now. They're burning down the city. This is not that. Um, but, you know, if someone's fearful, I, I can't I, I can't address an emotional, you know, feeling that they have. I can only talk logic. So I can talk logic with the person. I have not encountered any. No one said that to me, that they're afraid to come because of the protests. But people have said to me over the years, I'm afraid to come because of terror. I can only tell them the, the statistics and how this is the safest place in the world. And, you know, if 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 God decides it's your time, it's your time. Right. Um, so I, I don't necessarily I, I, the, answer, the answer is I don't have an answer. 
unfortunately. Okay. It's a it's an honest answer. Thank you. Um, I, I I joked earlier about having this conversation in twenty five years. What's your vision for the future? What what do you what do you expect, and what would you like to see? I mean, listen, you know, if you if you read the Jewish scripture about the times of Mashiach, times of the Messiah, there are certain characteristics that are described in Jewish scripture. For example, one of the things that it says in the Talmud is that right before Mashiach comes, right before the Messiah comes, there's going to be a world that is backwards. Every, I think it's all mm-hmm. people, I think everything's going to be backwards. I mean, it doesn't get more backwards than today. I mean, you know, and if you look at, if you look at empires throughout history, um, Egyptian Empire, Roman Empire, Greek Empire, Nazi, German Empire, they all, they all fell when their morals started to go out the window. When they had, okay. when morality was, 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 was leaving and they would, you know, sit in a coliseum and watch people fight to death, they lost morals, they lost their moral compass, and that's when they fell. Of course, in between losing their moral compass and falling, there was the anti-Semitism that, you know, grew. And that happened every single time. And, I think we're seeing that now in the U.S. dollars being replaced and anti-Semitism going through the roof. And so I believe, and, and it, it, it kind of pains me to say this because like you said, we're all, we're both proud Americans and America has been amazing to us. But unfortunately, I do believe that the time of America's dominance in the world, on the world stage is coming to an end. And the next stage is Mashiach. I, I do believe that. And I'm not the Mashiach kind of Jews, like, you know, but I, I think we're there. I think we're in the times of Mashiach and I'm pretty optimistic that he's right around the corner. Um, and, you know, I, I, I can only hope because it, it really is not a good situation right now on the global stage for the Jews. Um, and like I said before, when you have mainstream pop artists, you have, it's time. It's time to get out of there. So if you're asking me what I see is going to happen, I think Mashiach's coming. I think, you know, we're going to experience the re- redemption. Um, that aside, I think Israel will continue to flourish and continue to thrive, continue to lead the world of technology continue to, you know, invent and to innovate um, and change the world. I, 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 There's no other way to say it. Again, I, I've met with, you know, leading cancer research experts who lead the world. I mean, the, the director of the National Cancer Institute of America told me personally that every leading cancer research and every leading cancer treatment and cure in the world was developed in Israel. Mm-hmm. Not even an exaggeration. So I, I only, you know, again, despite the challenges, and there are challenges, I don't mean to make it seem like everything's perfect. There are challenges. I do think we're going to continue to flourish. I think that the current, uh, you know, internal conflict is only going to make us stronger. Uh, you know, it will be a little rough in the short term, but in the long term will make us stronger. And I think everything will be great. I really do. Maybe I'm an, I'm a cup half full kind of guy, but that's what I know. Well, you are, and it's great. And that's, and that's an excellent way because I, first of all, the pro- the podcast is called inspiration from Zion. I don't want doomsday from Zion. stuff. <laughs> uh, we, we can have that. And there is, there are sobering issues that we need to confront, but that I, I love, I love that this is unscripted. That I'm throwing questions at you, and you're just talking and talking very naturally from your heart, and and, and it's great. Um, I want to begin to wrap up with two and a half things. Um, we spoke about prayer. I have the vision. I have to find the picture. But one of the most stunning pictures that I remember of Ari is of him with his talit over his head. Um, it's a great picture. Maybe we'll even use that here in the in the for the for promoting the podcast um but you're you're an orthodox jew you pray you pray a lot um you see the cup the cup half full but you also see god's fingerprints on the side of the cup and inside the cup and and his dna in there 
when you're praying, what do you see? What's the most vivid realization of uh, of the prophecy of our of our existence here? I mean, you know, there's a famous story in the Gemara of, uh, you know, the, the rabbis who were walking on the Temple Mount and they saw animals and, and wolves and everybody, they're crying. This is horrible the destruction of the Temple. And famously, Rabbi Akiva was laughing, right? They said to him, why are you laughing? He said, why are you crying? They said, what do you right. mean? There are wolves walking on, on the Temple Mount. He said, yeah, but God said that was going to happen. So if this happened, then the next prophecy is going to happen. So this is good. And Thank so you. that's how I feel also. I think you know, we're seeing prophecies happen. We came back to the state of Israel. If yeah. you had told, you know, my grandparents or my great-grandparents that, that 60 or 70% of the Jewish people in the world would be living in the land of Israel, yeah. they, they couldn't even understand, they couldn't even digest no. or fathom that, that, no. that reality. So we're coming back. We're not there yet, but we're seeing prophecy after prophecy come to, to fruition. And so I'm very, very optimistic that the rest of the prophecy is going to come to fruition and, and, and the Mashiach will come very soon. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. Um, you know, this is a program and what we do, Genesis 1, 2, 3 Foundation, is about building bridges specifically between Jews and uh, Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel. And several weeks ago, I don't remember how many weeks, I reached out to you to see if you would um, be a judge in the art contest that we're sponsoring, what Israel means to me for, for Christian children to represent uh, represent what Israel means to them artistically. And it's going great. And I'm excited to, to, to unleash you and the other judges. And we've got a great group of uh, diverse judges, Jews and Christians of all kinds of different backgrounds. And I hesitated to reach out because I don't really see that that's something that you're involved with, the building bridges. Not that you're against it, but it's not really something that I saw. But I was thrilled that immediately you agreed. What about that was interesting and exciting? Listen, you're not, now you're getting me in trouble here because the amount of emails, <laughs> the amount of things that I'm involved in, like I, I you know, I can't even keep track. If I'm being okay, honest with you, so you, you, so you reached out. You know, I generally like I, you know, I try to act like a mensch. Someone asks for something, I if I can, I, I help. So I don't even think it was necessarily. I mean, obviously, I very strongly believe in in bridges, and I think that you know we're all brothers, even our our cousins, the Muslims and the Christian. We, we all obviously share a planet and we, we do want to build these bridges. I can't tell you that, you know, that's something that's my top priority in life and we all have to focus on other things. It doesn't mean that it's less important to me, but the truth is you ask me to do it. I'm happy to do it. It wasn't necessarily something that like I did because it's my deepest passion. But I will say though, that I am involved in a project um, that uh, a friend, a friend of mine basically minted coins yeah. for the 75th birthday of Israel. And it's, a beautiful project, and I am sure that your Christian listeners and your Jewish listeners would love to look at this coin and to you know buy this coin. It's an amazing thing. I'm not getting commission or anything to be clear, <laughs> but it's a uh, you can you can get it Israel seventy five coin dot com Israel seventy five coin dot com the, the number is seventy five so it's Israel spelled out seven five coin dot com and it's a beautiful thing to commemorate, like you said before, seventy five is, is a is a significant number. Yeah. Um. So you know, I, I I do think that there, and I have many friends who have podcasts with with you know, I have a friend who has a podcast. He he's a rabbi, and he his co-host is a pastor. Uh. So I, you know, I, I am you know in Israel three six five. I am involved in that world, uh, and I think it's an important cause. I do think it's an important cause. And again, we're talking about Mashiach. The times of Mashiach, we're all we're all going to join forces. So you know, I think it's an important thing. Great answer. Thank you. Thanks for that. Um, Hillel, before I let you go, um, Independence Day, Memorial Day, tech in Israel, what do you want to share? What, do, what, what did I neglect to cover to ask you? Um, 
I think that people need to understand that there are not two Israels. There's one Israel. What I mean by that is that there are investors in Silicon Valley who, on the one hand, deploy capital, invest in Israel because they know we're building world-class innovation. And then they go and they tweet things like, you know, all these horrible conspiracies about Israel killing innocent Palestinians. Stop it. There's one Israel, okay? If Israel is spending all this time and resources curing cancer, think, will that same Israel go and do the things that you're saying we're doing? So people have to open their eyes and people have to look at the reality and stop listening to what CNN and BBC and all of these other propaganda networks are, are, are feeding us because we know what drives them. What drives them is clicks. And let's be honest, you know, nice guys don't drive clicks. Finding a, a devil, you know, a, a, a scapegoat. Right. That's what drives clicks and and, demon, you know, demonizing and and, you know, I, again, I, I, anti-Semitism takes on a new face every generation. The generation of anti-Semitism today is anti-Zionism. It's a fancy word of saying I hate Jews because to say I hate Zionism, but I don't hate Jews. is like saying I hate a church, but I don't hate Christianity. Like you can't. It's 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 part of Judaism and Zion. It's it, Israel is in, in our prayers. It's in our you can't separate those two things. So if you're anti the Jewish people having a homeland, then I got news for you, buddy. Don't look now, but there's an anti-Semite walking around in your shoes. All right. That's all I got to say about that. I love it. Um, Hillel, well, I, I knew this is a conversation I wanted to have for a long time. I'm so grateful. It's it, you, you, you have fulfilled everything that we try to do with inspiration from Zion. And I'm grateful. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's, it's an honor and keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Thank you. As we wrap up, uh, people who followed Inspiration from Zion for the last year and a half know that um, we we offer a special gift at the end of every episode. Each month, we give away what we call a book from Jonathan's bookshelf. All we ask is that you do is go to the Inspiration from Zion social media and follow and like us. And when you comment and share the link to this program, every month, we give away a special book. This book, this month, We're giving away a copy of what we call Bubby's Story. It's actually a book that we published as the inspiration, uh, as the Genesis 123 Foundation, um, in honor of a 99 year old Holocaust survivor telling her story, a woman who's turning 100 next May. And because we published the book and happen to have access to the electronic file, anyone who emails us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We'll get a free copy with pleasure. We're also grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area and want to pop in and thank them for helping to make uh, conversations like this possible, please do. And also special thanks to the Coyne family as well for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges. And this episode specifically, we would be tremendously remiss if we just didn't dedicate it in memory of all of the victims, everyone who, who, who we are commemorating this coming week and praying that they, that their memories will be a blessing to their families, that their families will continue to have unlimited comfort and that they will be the last of our victims. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or special occasion, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments as well as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions about Israel, about Judaism specifically for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this episode with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here 
as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are safe and healthy, and I send my blessings from right here in the Judean Mountains. God bless you. Hallelujah.